0: Out there, It's time for another episode of Star Wars All In, the show that goes all in on all the details of the galaxy far, far away. We're talking about things and stuff, but mostly people today, as I, Mac, one of your hosts, am joined by my always co-host, Ross. Mac, great
1: to be here today and uh, to come into another week of fan voting fun, and we are talking about Shmi. Now, Shmi Skywalker... Took second place last week to Bo-Katan, or not Bo-Katan, geez, Satine, <laughs> Satine. the other one.
0: It's a Mandalorian. Uh, They're yeah, all related. Yeah, Same t- last name. Yeah, exactly. So
1: we had Shmi back on the ballot this week, and she beat out Slave 1, she beat out DJ, and she beat out a third thing that I am not remembering at the moment. So she is going That's strong. That's the crack I team also, I know. I yeah. think we also had a tie for second place, so we may have two carryovers for next week week's voting so keep an eye on that you're hearing if you're hearing this on Wednesday uh, take a look out tomorrow if you're hearing this anytime after Wednesday hey go take a look and see if voting is still open our Twitter uh, twitter.com slash SWAI I think would bring it up but Star Wars all in if you search Star Wars all uh, you should be able to find us, or uh, yeah, Star should Wars first win. result. Yeah,
0: yeah, take a take a look. It's a great place for us to add polls. It's been really fun having you guys help us pick what we're going to do. Yeah, we've had a great time, and it's been fun
1: to see who's who has won because. Every single time I have been surprised, the person who I thought would win. But what has been nice yeah. is the person I've wanted to win has won every single time.
0: I think so it's that's been that, fun. Yeah, to me It's like, yeah, these were characters we super needed to eventually get to. Wow, this is a great excuse to pop, bump them up on the list.
1: Absolutely, great. absolutely. We're having so much fun, and I'm really hoping DJ wins next week.
0: All right, folks. Well, get ready because we're going to dive right into Star Wars' holy mother right after this. It is uh, time to talk about, could we say the most important mother in Star Wars? I think we can get away with that.
1: Well, we've talked about other mothers recently. We've talked about Mother Talzin. True. We've talked about uh, the stepmother of Leia Skywalker. So we have talked about a fair amount of mothers, but this is a mother who I would say out of the little that we get to see of her, does some of the boldest and bravest things that we've seen any of these women do. And this is among Mm -hmm. a huge amount, a plethora of amazing women characters in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. Star Wars has been blessed with that from the beginning. You know, even though there weren't many, the women characters that did exist were strong and powerful and capable and central to the plot in ways that weren't about romance or
0: servitude to someone else right well star wars has always done a good admirable job on trying to have diversity in its casts it it was it's been a little shakier on main cast members which i think we've mostly can look in the rearview mirror on but like yeah it's they've always shown a very diverse galaxy full of a lot of different people and this uh character shmi skywalker is uh pretty great because this character comes into the story in a very unlikely place and in a very and a very interesting character because, well, Star Wars hadn't really dealt head on with, oh, yeah, this is a slave. They're owned by someone like, wow, that's rough. Oh, and this is her kid who, by birth, is owned by the same person that owns her. Oh, Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> yeah,
1: it really is. An interesting move to jump in, but I mean, you want to create a dramatic backstory for your main character of, you know, at this point, you know, we're building this out. So this small boy and his unlikely mother is essentially the main character of all of the Star Wars. So, you know, they want to make the backstory, even though we're in a still PG rated movie, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to jump into themes that are, um,
0: well, a little more more adult. Yeah, it's heavier and it's also let's also be honest that in this particular version, at least where the cut the, the, the huts are making sure that this is organized crime, not just crazy wild west crime. <laughs> organized crime because yeah. the situation we find Shmi in is definitely the PG version of slavery. <laughs> um in the sense that like she's not separated from her son, they have their own living domiciles and it's it's more what we would call, in more of a legal sense, like indentured servitude. This is a person who cannot change employers and is demanded to do work to keep to upkeep their life. Yeah, exactly. They
1: don't seem to be living in squalor or anything like that, and they don't we have, know, like bomb collars on or anything in case they try to run. Like it, it's more well, they do have bombs inside of them. Remember, well, as far as we know, at least that's e- the rumor. E- <laughs> well, no. That's what uh, Anakin says uh, in this. No, no, he says. Well, he says it. Yeah, we don't know if it's true.
0: If they try to run away, pop. Okay, so okay, let let's let's walk away. Yeah, because let's ah, let's get into. Already got on a tangent. So the whole point about it is, uh, Shmi Skywalker is the mother of Anakin Skywalker, and she introduces she enters our world in episode one yes sometime before that her her family got caught by pirates and put into slave slavery one thing led to another and she ended up here owned by Watto, our tordarian friend who basically i I guess keeps her as a domestic is that what you kind of get is like she like cooks and cleans for him like i don't Know if really I sure imagine what
1: that Shmi does other tasks that we don't see, right? Because we see Anakin's job is to work in the shop with Watto because right. he's handy; he can serve a purpose there, right? And obviously, Shmi is taking care of the house, but they live in their own home, like they are not sharing it with other people. It's small, it's compact, but it is just theirs. It has its own entrance off the street, mm-hmm. in essentially row housing, right? I mean, yeah. you know, what These I would honeycombs. consider, yeah, it's the Star Wars version of like a a, a townhome apartment type of deal, mm-hmm. right? And so for the area, for what you have, this doesn't seem like awful living at all. They seem to have food to go around and, you know, enough water to drink and all that, so, or blue milk, whatever it may be. Yeah. So, you know, things don't seem awful for them. I But I never thought about that she's like, you know making food for Wado or anything like that, or doing homely the, tasks. I guess I thought as she, every time we see her, she is just at home and has some other tasks that we never actually see. And
0: that's, I guess, why I always thought it was like, yeah, she never seems to be ever going to the shop. And it's extremely, you know, brought to light that she's also owned by Wado specifically, because, you know, that's the game they're playing is trying to... You know, Qui-Gon Jinn's trying to earn both of their freedom, and he's like, no, no two slaves are worth that much. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I guess the point of this matter is, like, it's absolutely abhorrent that someone is owned by another person. But as far as slavery goes, it's definitely a nice, clean PG version of it. <laughs>
1: Yeah, for sure. They're they're efficient in setting the stakes with the character and you know, the reason we meet Shmi is because Anakin is kind enough to invite these new strangers that he just met briefly off their street because uh his nice little neighborhood friend told him that a storm was coming based on her bones. (laughs) Storm's
0: coming, Annie. You better go and get inside. I love it. Better get home quick, I think. Yeah. And Better run uh, home quick. I, I, there's a certain level to that. that act, yeah. Who might have just knocked it right out of the box. But there's a certain, like, can you just imagine the act, actress just, like, sitting around going, like, better get home quick. Better get home quick. Better get home quick. Like, huh. just massaging this simple line over and over until they're, like, nailed it. I got it. Exactly the way I want. And then <laughs> they just show up on set. And George
1: goes, no, 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 just faster.
0: Faster. More intense. <laughs> um. And, and it is a fast and intense delivery. It yes. is. It's a
1: great It's a great moment. And it's a great moment arriving here. We come off the street. We see the outside of their house for a moment. And then as they enter, Shmi comes walking out of the, well, I presume, the kitchen. Because she's yeah. kind of like drying her hands, washing her hands. And we see her for the first time. So this is our first introduction to the actual character in the movie. Right? We mm-hmm. know this is Anakin's mother. We know she kind of comes out of the kitchen looking slightly shocked. But not scared or, you know, angry at her a- son or anything Anakin's brought friends like that. home
0: before, but maybe not adults. Yeah, this is maybe
1: just kind of the sigh,
0: you know, whatever. What is this? What's going on? At least that's how I read it. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it is. And, and you know, she you can see that she's definitely a, a bit um, careworn. She's a little world-weary, but yeah. still fairly bright, optimistic. She also is kind of wearing similar kind of clothes to Anakin, these kind of thicker, rough-hewn yeah. um, you know, textile clothing, but not
1: shabby. Not, no, no, not, not at all out of. Uh, oh, I don't want to say not out of style. I have no idea, but certainly practical. It seems mm-hmm. uh, it's what everyone else we see is essentially wearing. If they're not some sort of alien or world
0: and we and we get to see the the home and the fact that they 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 have a nice enough little tiny apartment. You know, to the point that Anakin has his like own room. Yeah, they have at least a two bedroom. It seems. Yeah, which you know, as far as Tatooine, they have real an upstairs uh,
1: veranda, like a porch. Too, I, I would suspect that's communal, but I don't. know. Well, sure, but they have an entrance to their home right off of it. It really is like an apartment building. It's a little balcony off the yeah, back kind of thing. I, it, it, listen, I mean, we've seen some pretty crappy places in Star Wars. That's true. That's all I'm going to say about it. That's true. Now I'm not saying anything positive about slavery. But it could be a lot. Like, we've seen other instances we're, of slavery in Star Wars that I guess are the far, whole is, far worse. Yeah,
0: When we're looking at Jabba's Palace, we're just saying night and day difference yeah. on the quality of life here. We're just saying Watto, yeah. scumbag for owning slaves. However, if, Way you, better if than you're going to get owned by someone, better him than a Pike. Yeah. Yes, exactly. All right, so... That's we get the we get the general sense of
1: their state of livelihood I think. I think we've, we've danced did. around this topic, tried to be careful, but also <laughs> Yeah, that's the general idea is they're not living a life where but... she feels Anakin is in danger, right? right? Just out of her control. Right. She right. she's she's made some sort of living here that she can tolerate. Exactly. Now, of course, immediately after introductions, Guigon, you know, introduces them and himself, uh and Padme immediately brings up slavery. Like, you know, just doesn't just... doesn't your life suck? What well, <laughs> well, I forget you. exactly I, what she I, said, but of... she's like, the Republic has outlawed slavery. And she's like, yeah, the Republic doesn't exist out here.
0: The, I, and Padme is the, dumbfounded by this. The, the part of me that really hits is just like, she's like, I just very much looks at like, oh, you're 14. That's cute for you. here's how the real world is. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's way rougher.
1: Even if, even if she does have, you know, any of those undertones, I think we're just implying, uh, she, she's very, she's very just sort of matter of fact, but she's not mean or aggressive towards these strangers. She's very just kind and, you know,
0: explanatory to these people who are just these off worlders. The two things that strike me is that she's a very, um, kind and generous person who believes the best in in people but is also an extremely realistic person about their situation what's going on so that's why i said like the line with padme when i watched it was was more of like the republic doesn't exist out here yeah that's a tactful way for say saying yeah no yeah of course it's not Yes, I'm a slave. The Republic just missed us. Like, child. (laughs) Now, of course, this isn't the topic, but I do think it's
1: just, it's really, really fun to point out. And this is just more in general for, you know, Star Wars fans here. Uh, It's really, really fun to see the High Republic expanding on the state of the Outer Rim. Yeah, And basically, you know, uh, where we were only a couple hundred years before this, how they believed that they were going to bring essentially modern Republic-controlled civilization to this part of the galaxy. And right. now seeing, you know, obviously it's all in retrospect to hindsight, but how much they failed at that mission. And eventually we'll have that gap filled in and we'll know how they sort of cool. failed at their job of bringing, you know, and getting rid of slavery in the Outer Rim like they had desired.
0: Well, it, it, it's echoing what it's referencing, which is the expansion of the American West, where there's, like, four themes that go through there that we see in these in these films, which is, one, it's way bigger than you think it is. Like, it's insanely vast. The Outer Rim is sure. gargantuan. Sure, sure. Two, there's a lot of people who don't want you here. They like their lawless awfulness. And three, just like we learned in the American West, you might have to do a lot of getting your hands dirty that you will in hindsight say oh maybe we are the villains Absolutely. to accomplish your goal and force your will on other people and on tatooine we're mostly seeing this is a stronghold of the hut hut way of life these are you know tatooine is essentially a hut controlled world the republic doesn't try to do anything with it because the hut is huts before the clone wars are their own standing sort of empire they're not a political movement in that way but like they control worlds, and they follow Hut law, right? Not Republic, not anything else. So, they're independent. Yes, yes. They're, they're an economic block, not a political one.
1: <laughs> Boy, I would love a like textbook-style fic- fiction Star Wars book that went into that. That kind of stuff existed in the EU a little bit.
0: Well, I've definitely uh cracked open the book The Economics of Star Trek, so I'm sure someone who knows the information uh, 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 uh. has done the thought of experiment of what does this stuff look like in that galaxy far, far away. There's someone out there who's done the work. That's one thing
1: we know for sure in this fandom.
0: Um, so we we end up having, you know, Anakin shows pad me around says, like, check out my cool droid. Um yeah. And me and Qui-Gon just basically already have this sort of like chemistry of being the adults in the room, talking yes. about adult things. Yes. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes,
1: yes, 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 yes,
0: they, uh, they, you know, they discuss
1: Anakin a little bit and there's, they have a sort of deeper conversation a little bit, you know, basically how he's got a good heart. And then they're back around the dinner table. We get Jar Jar's, uh,
0: you know, uh, tongue scene. I don't know any other way to describe that. Yeah, where Qui-Gon shows his sort of superhuman reflexes catching... J- Jar tongue just to scold him and that's when Anakin's like you got a laser sword don't you mister <laughs> yes yes clearly
1: just showing how you know um, noticeable Anakin is Anakin can, um, you know they make reference later to Anakin's reflexes and because he can see things before they happen and so then we see Gwygon exhibiting that same trait here moments before which is really cool but we also see how perceptive Anakin is I mean that's yeah. what this scene is showing us and then that goes into Anakin's mother explaining about you know how he can ra- well Anakin and his mother explaining how they can raise pods and you know Anakin volunteering his own help and this is kind of where we get her next little character moment where right away her instinct is no don't do that right what is. You say here. I don't want you to race, it's awful. I die every okay. time. Watto makes you do it. So we're understanding now a little bit more of that relationship too, is that Watto not only, you know, makes him work in the shop, we know that he's raced for him before, but now there are well, times where Watto sort of forces him into well,
0: it. it. Well, and it drives home sort of the disparagement of those three the the three triangle of people there in the sense of like Watto realized that Anakin can, can Fly a pod so he can make money off of that. So he says, all right, kid, you're going to fly the pod for me. And it gets like, whippy, I get to fly a pod. Mom's like, (laughs) no, no, this is terrible. This is the worst thing ever. Watto, you can't make him do this. Actually, I own him. Yes, I can make him do this. (laughs) Yeah, very
1: fair. And I guess we don't really know. You know, we just know that Anakin crashed the last time. Beyond that, we don't really know what his I history is. I believe the is. joke
0: is, I think he might even complete the race this time.
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it's great. It's so, so good. But back to that moment, because we do have a really good moment here. You know, this is Anakin's kind of sort of initial, what you'd call, hero moment. You know, his his stepping out, answering the call moment, uh, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Is that, you know, he he says, Mom, you know, you always say the biggest problem in the universe is that nobody helps anybody else or however is that no one helps each other. And you're
0: always saying the worst problem in the galaxy is that none people don't help each
1: other. Yeah. And Shmi just kind of looks at him for a moment and she looks, you know, a little pain, but she understands her son is right. And she basically says, well, I may not like it, but he can help you. And then she says, he was meant to help you. And I think that's an interesting line. Now, of course, that's just the way it's written and the way the line is delivered. But when you start talking about destiny and prophecy and you have any old wise character saying the word, he was meant to help you, it's something yeah. interesting and worth pointing well, out.
0: I think this scene has two interesting things about Mount Shmi's character. One, that she is a very kind and helpful person and is exhausted by how few examples of that she sees beyond her own self, right? She's got that lovely mom thing of like, mom, you told me this virtue I'm supposed to aspire to, and now I'm going to read it back to you at an inconvenient moment. And the parent (laughs) going, yes, I guess I raised you well, didn't I? (laughs) Yeah, and well, that just is starting to show us the caliber
1: of Shmi's character of, you know, maintaining a positive outlook on life and on things, even when, Life, as you know, as it were, got you down. Uh, And then also willing to admit when she's wrong. Yes. Right? We're going to see here very quickly and very often uh, during these few moments we have with her how willing she is to sacrifice for the greater good. And obviously
0: that's something we'll talk about with her son, too. And again, based on something we'll lean learn in a scene following this, open to the possibilities of kind of destiny magic and mysticism in the sense of like oh yeah my son found you then he found you again brought you in from a sandstorm into my place you have this problem he's uniquely qualified to solve for you like yeah no i've already had a a bit of like mysterious magic in my life i understand something's just happen and they don't have to make sense. Well, it's funny you bring that up because the next time we see see Shmi, oh boy,
1: that's fun. The next time we see Shmi, we are watching her and Qui-Gon watch Anakin work on the pod sort of from afar. And so this is a great moment here where Qui-Gon and Shmi get to have a conversation. And, you know, he basically talks about, you know, how good of a kid Anakin is. And she goes, well, he knows nothing of greed. You know, he's willing to help people without expecting anything in return and he deserves better than a slave's life and then this brings Gwygon kind of to ask you know uh, well actually she brings up here too you know is you know magic powers like it kind of comes up in conversation here yeah. and Gwygon basically goes you know he can see things before they happen Uh, You know, he appears to have such fast reflexes. That's why he can do things like drive a pod. And so we're starting to learn a little bit more about, oh, why is this kid able to do this thing? He's the only human that can do it, he says. Right. Right. It's this thing that seems impossible. We don't even really know what it is yet. We're building up to it. But all of this stuff we're learning about him. And now we're starting to learn oh, it's because he's on this outer rim planet that doesn't really have modern civilization. And so, you know, they're kind of seeing this kid experiencing these things as magic, right? Right. And there may be, you know, his mom is thinking of it in that way or another. It might be Watto thinks of this kid as special. Ooh, he's special. But it, it's just everybody is interpreting the Ooh. force differently. And I find that very, very interesting. You know, because it's the same type of thing you see later on in the original trilogy, of people not having a concept of the greater force, and so they all sort of think about it or experience
0: it, interpret it in different ways. Well, and I can't remember if it's dropped here or if it's dropped a little bit later during the M count scene, but there's the part where where Qui Gon says, "Like, hey, you know, if he was in the Republic, we would have already we'll identified him early." That
1: is here in this scene, yeah. I think.
0: Yeah. And then he begins to
1: ask, you know, because he's so curious now about Shmi basically confirming that Anakin can already manipulate the Force, right? Right. And basically, asks, you know, who was his father? Thinking, well, maybe there's some extenuating circumstance where a a traveler came to town or, you know, who knows, right? And so this is when we really get the big reveal that, you know, looking back on it, I don't know if I understood this as an eight-year-old, but looking back on it, this really is mystic and of course very well,
0: Christian well this is what I, I always said that the prequels are whereas we have the monomyth in the original trilogy of the hero's journey right Right. the bigger thing with the prequels is the prequels is digging into more mythic Yes. like he's an immaculate conception Shmi says that there was no father right, right. that just one day she had a stomach yeah, cramp there was and no found father. out
1: I carried him I gave birth I raised him I can't explain what happened
0: Right. And of course, the thing about it is in mythic stories, this is completely fine. He's he's a magical being, you know, the gods have gifted gifted us with a champion kind of thing. Right. And that's something that in the veins of storytelling that this is playing with, you know, the fall of an ancient, wide and vast republic. Like it's very much Greek and Roman sort of storytelling. Right. But of course, we're a modern audience who goes like, yeah, but who knocked you up? Like, (laughs) come on. Because, you know, we're not used to that kind of storytelling, especially in something that's like this fantastic far future kind of look, right? Our our brains have a hard time conceiving of that. Now, eventually, Star Wars tried to fill in the blanks, and they get even weirder and more mythic as you go of, was Palpatine just doing a weird experiment, and the Force just karmatically, like, needed to release energy somewhere, and, you know... It gets really, really weird, but I, I like that the story of it just plays it straight. quick just, like, raised eyebrow. He's like, a virgin's in the Force, huh? You know, I read a lot of prophecy, and there's one that this kind of fits. Just saying... <laughs> yeah yeah I mean that's fair and you know we love that qui
1: is a guy that believes in prophecies because we eventually learn that not all Jedi do so the fact that he's here at this moment meeting this boy you know like we've already layered this right yeah it's uh it's like one of those songs that keeps building on itself right there are enough signs there are enough signals for us to interpret that this boy is some sort of person who is meant to be here in this moment in this circumstance right now if we hadn't already seen episodes four five and six you may think oh this is just a character they meet along the way you may not really understand clearly where this is going sure until we get to the bet which is what kind of happens next right so mm-hmm. after anakin successfully uh completes the pod or complete you know makes it work gets up and running uh, we go through the whole thing with Jar Jar getting his tongue frozen. haha, ha, Everybody laughs. Right. And so we move on and we get to the sort of pre pod race scene where Shmi and Kitster and Anakin and Padme ride in. They get off in the garage and Shmi basically says goodbye to Anakin. You know, and all she really says is be safe. Just sends him on his way, you know, nervous um, and goes to watch in the observation booth with everybody else. And that is really, you know, other than some scenes of just me getting yeah, yeah, some reaction there isn't really much she has to do during the pod race. It really yeah, does focus cause, cause on it Because qui
0: basically just goes and talks to so Watto, makes the bet about the pod race so that he can, um, yes. you know, get both the slaves freed. Watto's yes. like, that's not going to happen. And he's like, I guess the boy, he's like, let's roll for it. And Jedi's like you know, I can yeah. manipulate the, no you don't. That's why this is going to mm-hmm. work.
1: And so one thing I wanted to point out here about this scene in particular, and so the very last line kind of of uh, Gwygon and Shmi's conversation a moment ago. Shmi basically asks, can you help him? And she doesn't say us. She doesn't say, can you free him or anything? She just says, can you help him? Yeah. Right? Knowing that this is a chance for maybe something good to happen.
0: These fancy dignitaries from the Republic yes.
1: have a chance to do something for her kid. Yeah. Exactly. And she's not thinking of herself, right? And then when Gwygon goes to free them, once again, trying to do the Jedi thing of... I want both of them. I'm trying to free both of them. And, of course, he's presented with a situation where that's not going to happen. But throughout the steps that's going on, Shmi is just showing how much he's only thinking of Anakin. How much he's only thinking of his Very life. Selfless. And being completely selfless. And I think that's going to be important here. And we'll talk about it as we go. But after the pod race, Anakin wins. Everybody's happy. Yippee. Yeah. And... Basically, um, you know, her words, and her. you brought hope to those who have none. I'm so very proud of you. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the bringing hope to those who have none is very much a Jedi thing, right? Like right. that's something that they are supposed to stand for. They're supposed to defend the defenseless. And so when you have sort of this moment of this character uh, experiencing one of the most important traits of what we know he will eventually grow into, right, this great Jedi Knight. Um, or at least we presume right so we know all of these things and so to see him complete this big, grandiose task. I mean, yes, this is in the movie because it needs an action beat. It needs something interesting. It needs cool set pieces. Yeah. But it's also very, very important, not only for our main character here in Anakin, but for this character we're talking about in his mother, because the way she reacts to all of this and the way she reacts to her son being freed, which is what we're about to talk about next, mm-hmm. is what makes her such an interesting character. Agreed. Right. So... Are we ready to talk about it here, kind of her last scene of the movie?
0: Last scene, yeah. It, it's so basically like Qui-Gon's like, hey, you know, guess what? You're a free kid. And Anakin's like, awesome, mom, we're free. He's like, well, actually. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Actually. Unfortunately, it does have that first, because it's a scene that just keeps building on itself, where it just, you know, the emotion keeps piling up, really. Because, you know, as soon as Qui-Gon walks in, you know, Anakin's so exuberant about, oh, look at all the money we have. And, you know, you can tell Shmi is really like, oh, my gosh, this is actually a really great thing like there's a lot I can do with this money Uh, a lot we can do with this money and then Gwygon just goes and you've been freed to Anakin you know the boy's been freed I think is what he says What? (laughs) and he's so excited and Shmi's face you know it cuts to her when he says those words and you can see for a moment there's like pure shock and then she collects herself instantly Yeah. And it's really, really, really good because Anakin's so excited. You know, he goes over to his mother and says, uh, you know, is this something that you want to do? You know, and, and, and she even says, is he to become a Jedi? Will you take him with you? And, you know, qui goes to Anakin and goes, this is a hard life. Is this something you really want? And he goes, yeah, it's what I've always dreamt of doing. And I want to get he, a laser sword, come back and free all the slaves. Yeah. He <laughs> gets permission from his mom. And then as he takes a minute to think about it, that's when he realizes, you know, what about mom? Where's she going to be? And he learns that she can't come with him. And once again, throughout the whole moment, Shmi is holding herself together. She is not letting, she's not going to let her emotion Play a factor on her child, and this is something yeah. that's really impressive. Because think about how few parents are able to actually do that—to not right. let their own emotions affect what they do for their children. Yeah, and their it's family. a
0: stoic quality that we we idolize in parents, which is not always easy to maintain, especially in something as emotional as this. But it, the stakes are higher in a lot of ways for Shmi, because for Shmi, like he's getting out yeah i could not want more for my child than for him to escape it's ideal
1: it's not just maybe the best posting that i could hope for him it's literally a dream situation it's winning the lottery it's winning the lottery but having to sacrifice your family
0: to get those winnings it's it's sacrifice well it's hey i just won the lottery for my family i don't get to touch any of it but they do, yeah. and I need to be happy for them, even if I would like, you know, I would like to yeah. be free and stuff, and I'm going to miss my son, but, like, this is the best possible thing that could happen for his life. Exactly, exactly. Now, before, well, actually, you know what? I'll bring this
1: up in a minute here. But Before that, let's finish this film up, okay? So... He's getting ready to go. he's packing he says his goodbyes his goodbyes to three p o which is a great scene in my opinion, yeah, and we get more uh you know more in Anakin's room. We get to see more there and then, as Anakin is walking away, he turns and he runs back to his mother and he's talking about how he's just too scared he can't go through with it and they have the the great moment of well you know you need to be strong now, you need to be brave. You know, you need to not worry about me. And Anakin's only focused on, will I ever see you again? And of course, she doesn't want to answer that one way or another. And she just goes, well, you know, what do you think? What can you feel inside (laughs) of you? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I think so. And it's just this great moment where you get to see her like you can't just say yes, you can't just say no, because one, you don't truly know, right? Two, You don't want to lie to your child. So it's just a great kind of when we're talking about that sort of in general, those mythic qualities of this character and her origins and the origins of her son, Mm -hmm. I think that's the perfect way to end it and add more emotional weight to it. Because if the character had just walked away, and of course this is where Anakin says, I'll come back here and I'll free you, right? And so this is Anakin basically making a promise to himself and to his mother, right, that's going to be really important to him later. And of course a lot of us probably didn't expect this to come back so literally in the next film too.
0: Yeah, because Shmeen walks out of the story at this point, um, and basically she's left on Tatooine. And we can fill in the gaps, because by the time we see her next, a couple of things have happened in the interim. Yeah. Um, Now,
1: now, before we get on to that, there's just one more thing I want to talk about here, okay? Because you're missing the very last thing she says to him as they're walking away. The very last words she says are just really simply, now be brave and don't look back, right? And he doesn't, right? He just follows on. You see her there. She's kind of like almost embracing herself, just kind of like, you know... You can do it. It's almost over. Literally just like, holding her emotions Yeah, in. make it happen. But I think it's really important to point out those words because, you know, the whole the whole don't look back thing after they just had this conversation about how he's saying, oh, I'm going to come back here one day, right? And she's basically telling him or in a way, if you want to look into it this way, foreshadowing like, listen, if you focus too much on, on this. this attachment, on coming back here, on me, on being with me that is not going to work out well for you. And of course, that is literally what we learn, right, in the next movie. It's he can't let go of the attachment, and that not being able to let go of it starts him down the path to the dark side. And then in the third one, he's so adamant about not repeating the same mistakes that he made there, right, he he... turns that into basically his final downfall. And so that line foreshadows so much that we're going to see – about this character going forward, where Mm -hmm. if he just had essentially followed that advice things could have been very different for him. Now, obviously, that's reading very much into one tiny bit of dialogue, but the reason I kind of bring that up so much is what would have happened if he would have just stayed on Tatooine? Would he have faded into existence and just been a slave for the rest of his days? Or would he eventually, you know, been able to have some sort of uprising and free his mother and get them out of that life and maybe had that life he wanted if it hadn't been for Jedi Intervention? Hmm. You know, what I'm basically saying is, was this the only option for Shmi to send her son off into the greater galaxy? That's kind of what all of that is getting at.
0: The simple answer is yes. It had to go this way.
1: Because it's the only one to understand and see. Like, you can't
0: plan for, you know, when the moment presents itself, you have to jump at it. He is the chosen one. The cosmic force has chosen him for a great destiny to affect the living force. He must complete his destiny. It was preordained. It was always going to happen this way. But see that's the thing is we don't know that. No, a prophecy misunderstood perhaps. I think it's how Yoda puts it of like, yeah, but it's you. It's yeah. you the Jedi who have misunderstood it. You Sure. You thought oh, balance sure. was no dark side. It's like, no, balance is the whole slate's clean. Absolutely. But what if that balance he
1: was meant to bring was just to Tatooine, just to the outer rim. You know, that's the thing. Like, oh no, no, there's well, so
0: many ways you can. My, like... My thing is, as a as a real place, we could talk about what Anakin what if Anakin stayed behind what what if comic would that be of like explaining like I see him just becoming a really really good pod racer making lots of money eventually maybe using that as a way to get his mom and him out from under Watto's thumb and then eventually I see it as like probably his mom dies tragically or something he goes off becomes a mercenary or something and then probably runs in with the Jedi because this person has a lot of force powers and someone's going to detect him and so on and so forth and then he gets brought into the Jedi temple and then he becomes the chosen one Uh and then overthrows it overthrows <laughs> because you can't escape a destiny this is mythic storytelling these Ooh, are parables there's I, no way
1: i like that story except what if it's everything you said except then after he becomes a mercenary he just becomes palpatine's new apprentice
0: yeah exactly because the thing about it is like I, I i don't mean like yes as star wars the real place anakin gets left here he dies in a pod racing accident two races from now and he's just gone like yes in theory if we were playing with our imaginations that could happen <laughs> but to me it's like It is so broadly writ how much it's his destiny to be this person that, like, there's no way to escape the mask. Mortis, basically, they talk about the fact of, like, you have choices to make, but your destiny is this gravity you're always going to fall back into. Yeah, I mean, I think we are very much
1: on the same page with this. I would love, I mean, speaking for both of us here, yeah, yeah. we both are big fans of the concept of prophecy and destiny in yes. Star Wars I think. I think when that sort of was entered into the equation, you know, with Luke, you know, and all, and all of that, that, we got into that, and then of course this is just the next level of there, the prophecy foretold. Oh, I... And so we were into that. And so for us, it's something we read into more. You know, your are casual moviegoer of this movie, or just Star Wars fans in general may not always feel the same way. Yeah. I lo- Especially because the prequels never gave us anything definitive. Really. It's, it's
0: really funny. My favorite parts of Star Wars are the mundane parts, like being, you know, space pir- pirates and loving troops and like all the like more hard parts of the universe. But that's what I think makes the core movies so much fun to me is I love lines like like, you know, that boy was our only hope. No, there is another. And like, you know, things like Schmee's here here talking about like, you know, don't look back because I know this will cause you problems in the future. And I'm a voice piece for the narrator of the story who's trying to teach you something with this tale like these aren't meant to be truly realistic things to be taken. They are fables and stories and parables. And. I love that nature of the movies. I think Star Wars is awesome in a huge place. And you can have hard, you know, science fiction stories and grotesque horror stories. And like, it's a bigger universe to play with. But I like that the movies themselves are always playing around with this prophecy. Because, I mean, to be honest... The next time we see Shmi in the story is basically hearing her scream inside Anakin's head as he's having bad dreams. Yeah. So we see
1: Anakin is uh, not able to sleep. You know, we know it's a recurring thing we learn throughout and we learn that he's having these awful nightmares about his mother and he believes she is in actual trouble. And eventually he makes his way to Tatooine with Padme mm-hmm. and R2 to try and find her. Revisits Watto learns that Watto sold her some time ago. To a farmer on the outskirts of town. And despite his nice hat, Watto's on hard times. Hard time. To- well, he lost everything you see in the race. Yeah. He lost everything. And the last
0: 10 years, not gone his way. But the craziest thing is, you know, he had to sell Schmi, sell sold it to this guy, Klieg Lars. And you know the craziest part? He married her. He married her, fed her, clothed her. Oh, great guy, great guy,
1: great guy. Which reminds us. Yeah. Shmi, Skywalker, Lars. Now, I've always been curious about this, and this is something we've never gotten into in Star Wars, but did Shmi use those pod racing winnings to, like... Did she, like, wash it through Klieg, and then he used those winnings to buy her freedom, and then they fell in love along the way, even though she was already in love with someone else
0: from her youth? And then... I love the idea of this whirlwind story, and, like, where he like Cleeg and her are like you know swashbuckling their way out of slavery and falling in love along the way yeah. And and at the yeah. end there's like a foreshadowing where like Cleeg almost hurts his leg but he doesn't but it foreshadows the fact he's gonna injure his leg uh, I love that so much and it then she asks about like hey you have your son Owen was that from your previous marriage and then Cleeg just gets really dark and says we don't talk about her and moves on and like that there was no other woman Boy,
1: it's a real shame that Owen isn't Anakin's brother by blood, even by half. But I guess that would be a much younger man. It would complicate things for sure. Uh, Okay, so yeah, so basically the story here, if you don't know (spoilers), is that Shmi gets kidnapped by Tusken Raiders, and she has been gone for a month when Anakin shows up, right? And it never really
0: oddly about how long he's been having these bad dreams. Yeah, I
1: was going to say the movie doesn't go into it, but I think it's fair enough to assume. Right. right that that's what started for him it's actually he's been having visions and so he goes out against uh, uh better judgment right against his warning I, I mean
0: i'd go out with you but my, leg. my leg you know
1: <laughs> and uh he goes to find find
0: my mother he he, he yeah. so this is
1: where he starts to get I go to find my mother yeah. and you know i i, I am uh just going to say it once here even though i'm sure we've talked about this again I love all the acting in Star Wars. I think it's exactly as was meant to be, as was written, as was yeah. directed. You can say
0: you don't like it, but I don't think it's bad because I think it's exactly what they were going for. Well, it's You can say it's bad, but it's because you're probably looking for a different product. I I, I feel yeah. the same way about if people have ever watched Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks is made to be overly melodramatic on purpose. Sure, When it's sure. jarring and people are just crying at the drop of a hat. The reason is because they want that. They want this heightened overarching theatrical kind of style of emotions. Yes. And that's what Anakin's channeling. That's what Han Christian is asked to do is just like, I'm going to go find my mother. And it's I love like... it. And it's great. And we see him on a speeder
1: bike, which is always fun because who doesn't love speeder bikes? So we were all happy to see that. We see Jawas again here because he's soaring across the desert on this swoop. And then eventually he comes to a Tuscan village after Stracon. a cutaway to Obi-Wan and coming back. And so he finds the, the, the village were introduced to the Sand People dogs for the first time. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure they have a specific name, but I can't remember what it is.
0: Uh, they're like Tuscan hounds or something. Uh, I love I them.
1: Anyway, I love them. I loved them when I saw them here when this movie and came this out. And I love them now.
0: fascinating because you finally get to see, like, oh, this is what a tribe of them look like. Like, because they have their tents, which are these weird sort of domes with these wrapped skins on them. And we basically see that Tuscans are. Primitive, they're not just an analog for like American Indians from Westerns. Like, they are more primitive than that. They are they are a less intelligent species than most humanoids. They are brutal and savage and all this kind of stuff. We see all of that, especially when we see his mom, who they've been doing who got god knows what to. Yeah, they've I mean torturing,
1: I think, is the only way we should really say it because you know, it's a once again a PG movie, but uh, basically, we walk in on Shmi tied up on a rack, basically bound by her wrist, kind of, um, you know, on her stomach up against this sort of board type thing. And Anakin uh, unties her, brings her down, and for a few moments, they sort of sit there together, her holding him or him holding her. and And, and we should say.
0: And Anakin has very cleverly, in the Jedi way, snuck his way into this. He's oh, He's cut his whole way in. He's found his mom. He's going to get her out, and none will be the wiser. Yes.
1: And as he finds his mom, he realizes how bad of shape she's in. You know, she has a big sort of brand across her face, like a big cut. Um, she's bleeding from her lip and, you know, her head and her face and her hands and all that, and looks very malnourished. And, you know, obviously it has been a rough month for her. <laughs> and... You know they have they just share a moment where you know Anakin is basically crying and grieving and you know very emotional, and you know she's just looking up at him and in, in wonderment, kind of disbelief at first, right? You know she thinks probably she's hallucinating, Cinating, yeah, yeah. She reaches up and touches him and just kind of you know remarks kind of in like a lucid state about, oh my full grown boy, how handsome you are, you know I'm so proud of you. And, you know, as she's trying to get that out, right, you know, basically she she dies there, right there, after just about
0: 10 or 20 and, seconds of time. And I think cosmically, like, Anakin's already starting to cry, because not only is he seeing the damage, but I think through the Force, he knows she's, she's slipping away. Yes, I'm, and, I'm sure. And then I think the other thing, again, mythic storytelling, is she has survived to now because she needs to see her son. Yes. Like, that is not that's her cosmic place, and that's what allowed her to stay alive during these harsh situations for this entire month is it's her destiny to see her son again, yes, exactly.
1: I completely agree. Completely agree. And, you know, after
0: Anakin murders a whole bunch of sand people. So so Anakin comes out. The sand people are like, whoa, who's that guy in our camp? And he's like, yeah, I was just going to sneak away. That's not
1: going to happen. That's not going to happen anymore. And this is the first time where we really see the dark side get the better of him. Where we see the dark side knock on the door and he answers. And basically what we have here is a situation where we are seeing sort of Of course, we know the middle part of Anakin's journey, but we are seeing a really important part of his life because we are seeing now what he is willing to do to save people he cares about, right? Right. He now realizes his desire to save his mother, or he feels his desire to save his mother wasn't strong enough because he feels personally responsible. He feels he's failed. So when this same situation is going to come up next week, uh, you know, on his next set of adventures, right, in right. episode three, he is going to realize that he will do anything he, he can to save Padme. And that all originates from this moment.
0: And it's also got a nice double-edged sword because he, he goes through, he, as he says, he slaughters them like animals. And not right. just the men, the women, the children, the dogs. He killed everyone in that town, yeah. Right. And the incredible crushing remorse and lack of satisfaction he has while bumming around what is essentially Luke's workshop, yeah, as we, as the saying, is great because it's not only is he like disgusted with what he's done in like the hours after, right? He's come to go like, I probably shouldn't have done that, right? It was an act of emotion. Like a fleeting shadow. I let it take yeah. control of me. But there's also like, my to me a very important line from episode two is the Annie you're not all powerful well i should be and he just like whips the thing into the background because he's also not satisfied he couldn't save his mother and all that revenge didn't satisfy him and he doesn't have any remorse about it because he's like that was just step one i need to find some way to feel okay about this i i'm the chosen one dang it I should be able to, like, resurrect her from the dead or something. Like, I have all this power, and yet I couldn't save the most important person in my life, and I am
1: furious about it. He should maybe be able to reach out his hand and gently put it on the affected area and think real hard, and it would transfer his life Only if you're a dyad. Um, Yeah, I guess we'll never know
0: about uh, that. uh, We might know someday, but (laughs) at, at time of recording. But what I like about it is I think it also sets up for his no more nobler parts in episode three where like when he finds out Palpatine's the emperor, he's like, I I can't just dispatch you. I need to go get help. I need to go do this the right way. I know what doing it the wrong way is. And I need to not do that. And like, that's where that hesitation with Dooku is where he's like, no, he should go to trial. I'm pretty sure I should take him to trial. Do it. All right. Like. That hesitation, I think, comes from the fact that he still has a tremendous amount of shames about killing the Tuscans. Not so much, like I said, I don't think he's noble enough to be like, I shouldn't have killed all those people. Like, I don't think he has remorse about it, so much as he's like, I know that's not the path to getting what I want.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, it's like anything. It's a failure, right? He right. failed in that moment. And that failure has been sort of creeping in his mind, affecting his judgment. And he may not realize that, but that failure, like we said earlier, is the beginning of his downfall. And it all starts because of the pivotal role of his mother.
0: And everything with Vader from there on out is going to be a lot of him going, "Mm, I should do the right thing. Do it. All right, I won't. Like, all the way up to, again, it ends with Luke going going like, you know, Father, help me. And Vader going, hmm. He's like, do it. No, and he decides to actually not do the thing that the palpite, the whisper in his ear of the dark side, he goes, no, this one time, mm-mm. no, 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 going to throw you into this pit. That makes a lot more sense to me in the moment right now. To listen to that whole gut instinct thing I keep hearing about. It's one of the few organs I still have left that's natural, and so I should listen to it more often. Um, but I think the thing yeah. that is so fascinating is Shmi is obviously a pivotal character. Like, to be honest, like a mother is in everyone's life. Um, and Anakin's relationship is so, I guess, perfect for the story that we needed to tell. Like, she's almost superhumanly a good mom. Um, <laughs> like, oh, I've been brutalized and beaten, but like, it's so good to see you, son. Yeah. Right. But like, that's what she needs to be for this story to go. And I, I love that about it. Uh, uh, I think the actress did such a good job with a fairly small role, her little looks and her little like mannerisms, I think mm-hmm. channel a lot of meaning into these things. She can deliver these mystical lines of like, <laughs> he was meant to help you with a straight face where it comes by like, well, you could have made in the, in the mundane sense, but I think you might know he's a magic. He's, he's a special, um, <laughs> And obviously, such a formative experience for, for Anakin, because to your what-if stories, if the first time he had a bad dream, he connected the dot got leave from the, the Jedi Council to stop by Tatooine, got his mom out sneakily while she's still healthy, took her back to Klieg, and there's a whole different universe where, like, oh, that was really rough. I'm so glad I was able to save you. That's why I got all this power. That's why I'm super proud to be a Jedi, and I will always follow the Jedi way to save people like you, Mom. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, there's another world where, like, this ends very well and things are fine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And it pushes everything off a lot. And there's an entire tribe of Tuscans who aren't dead. (laughs) You know, like there's an entire family line of Tusken Raiders that would continue on from that point. And because of those Tusken Raiders,
1: Palpatine falls before he ever takes power and everybody's saved.
0: Well, what you don't realize is because those Tuskins are still there, they control their territory, which means other Tuskins don't get in there, which means there's no one to save Boba Fett when he's thrown in the pit of Garcoon, <laughs> which allows to. <laughs> oh, boy. And that's where
1: we get into the crossover with the Marvel Universe. That's. <laughs> oh, boy. But the point is this was good. Shmi is a great character. She is a great character and it's something that I wish, you know, she has popped up a few times in sort of like visions, right? Vader has had different visions of his mother. Um, you know, but she's never popped up
0: again I... in more, you know, Uh, living force type story and while i think it will take us a long time to get there i feel at least confident that she will show back up in star wars canon in novels eventually when we get to a certain point of view episode 2 attack of the clones and we have the story about how Cleek got his leg screwed up but also how she and shmi met (laughs) oh i hope so that's the, I need that
1: rom-com novel about Schmee and Kleeg. I, I and do. And like, just Owen being a brat
0: in his room. I don't want a stepmother. What what I always like to think of, because it's it's like Owen's always hanging out with his girlfriend to the point that I, I guess she's almost like a live-in girlfriend at this point. I don't know how yeah. that works. I just, I love the idea of Owen was Anakin and his stupid friends at Anchorhead. And of course he's like, no, don't waste your time with your stupid friends at Anchorhead. I mean, I did, but that was it was OK. OK, uh, that was back in 19 BBY. It was a that, different time. <laughs> that is certainly a story I'd love to hear. So but we're not going to get that story for right now. And I think we've said everything not. we need to say about me. So we're going to move on to something else. we wrap up another episode of star wars all in in this case we are we're not landing it we're getting out of here we're leaving tatooine mm-hmm. we're no longer sitting in this mm-hmm. slave infested squalor that is this nightmare planet yeah there's a guy that looks like a walrus that keeps staring at me i don't like the cut of his jib. so i know we're, no. we're gonna get out of here yeah let's let's oh man so follow up on last week's little controversy <laughs> of slave one Pardon to anyone who's still on fire about it. I get it. I saw a great thing where someone was just posting. It was a thread of them. It was original action figures from Kenner with, like, Walrus Man and then Ponda Baba. And it's like, what the heck are they doing with my childhood? And I'm like, I know that's in reverse, but it was really funny to me. Like, really funny. Yeah. And there's also the thing I saw, like, Luke Skywalker's X-Wing and someone posted like they're changing the name of red five now (laughs) and i'm like it's not that's a little more apt like I, i guess the whole thing is like i understand we are the internet we must react but like again once you show me the updated dictionary like visual dictionary and all they've done is erased slave one then i'll be with you i'll grab my pitchforks But until then, it's like, I think it's all okay, guys. I think we'll be fine. Yeah, until
1: they either utter a new name for it or they come out and say, we will no longer call the ship this anywhere in anything
0: ever. We are also removing from Disney Plus the Zygerian arc from Clone yeah. Wars. I would Disney's, say they do say it
1: in Clone Wars, by the way.
0: And uh, we are removing all versions of the word slavery. Yeah. We are just going to call them employees now. Yeah.
1: Now, I have I have said it before, and I'll say it again. If they want to kind of go in and say, yeah, it was the Slave 1 when Django owned it, and now yeah. Boba has renamed it after his experience on Tatooine, Whatever. I, it's I guess it's not going to make is, me give up on Star Wars. I'm not going to throw a
0: rock through Kathleen Kennedy's windshield. Like, calm down,
1: God Almighty. I guess,
0: I guess my thing about it is, while I understand, and we we are all this way, all of us, all of us, I'm including myself. Yeah, I mean, you know how I feel we all I'm just, I'm just like, Skywalker. I just want an answer they're very busy people and they do not have the time to write a press release about why they may or may not be avoiding the word slavery. It would be nice if someone from social media could just do that for us. But I also just think that they're like, (laughs) no, that just highlights the fact that we're trying to get rid of this word. We just want to get rid of it silently if that's what we want to do. Or we're not in charge of Legos merchandising of their products. We didn't know about it.
1: They are a large company and that is worth stating. But I will say, I do think Star Wars needs better fan outreach interaction. I
0: think it's an area they're not doing a good job in. My one argument with Abby is everybody wants that from every fandom. We basically want, like, can't we put Steve Sansweet in a box next to Pablo Hidalgo and we will just fire infinite amounts of... Of AMAs at them until we've exhausted every possible permutation of questions we have. Uh, I mean, like, that's fair. Yeah. I, I get it. But there, there's another part of me that's just like, at the end of the day, their business is not to relate to us, it's to create stuff. Right. And so, at some level, like, yes, the silence is deafening. At the same time, there's a lot of more important things in our life that people are silent
1: about. For sure, like, and they don't have time to comment on every rumor, I guess. But yeah, I, I just feel like some people, at least, because I like, I don't really care. You know, we've talked about this. this yeah. Whole
0: it's it's a it's a non thing to me. When it but, trends on Twitter, you feel like someone in the social media team is plugging on the yeah. sleeve of League of like, can I say anything? <laughs> yes, absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's I get it, but it's frustrating when it's a like. Why is that the Star Wars Twitter run by a Star Wars employee that is like a fan and not a marketing intern? You know, it's like that's the kind of thing about the internet. That's the thing about the internet that bothers me, I think. It's like all of these things that should have made people closer have just turned into another way to market stuff.
0: And that frustrates the hell out of me. And you have every right to feel like you've been being played because guess what? Slave One was trending on Twitter. And you know what happens if they fill in the blank and tell you why that's changed or if there is a story behind that you know what stops happening (laughs) Slave 1 stops trending on Twitter so guess what's in their best interest
1: let the internet burn let people talk about it you know one day I was wearing my Boba Fett hat and a person I know who is not much of a Star Wars fan I'm not going to say anything more to uh, save face but (laughs) basically they were like oh I love your Mandalorian hat this is the way and I was just like you know what I could see a lot of Star Wars fans, I'm doing air quotes with my fingers, being like, oh, that's so stupid. That's so annoying. I'm like, that is exactly what we need in this fandom right now, is we need it to be in the zeitgeist. We need my mother to know who Baby Yoda is. That is the kind of thing that Star Wars needs to survive and to become more than a niche thing. Like, like yeah, it's, it's it's hard to say from our vantage point, Star Wars is still a huge thing. Yeah. But Star Wars is not the hottest thing on the block if you're a sixth grader now, like it was for us, right? And that is something that we have to come to terms with and understand. And those and, kind of fan things, those kind of big uh, monumental moments in pop culture are what will keep people uh, thinking about Star Wars in the long term.
0: And and in my opinion, like, we talked about it, like, kind of when we started the podcast, it was, like, resistance is the most important thing going in Star Wars at the time. Because if you're not hooking six- to eight-year-olds, then there is no future for Star Wars. I love The Mandalorian. It's not the most important thing in Star Wars. It should never be the most important thing in Star Wars because I'm already in. This This is... Care for me to keep me in and keep me buying, you know, uh, freaking Razor's Crest Lego sets and stuff, <laughs> but it needs to constantly be renewing itself. And we, as older fans, get very, very particular about, well, it should be only catering to my taste. And while, yeah, sometimes that happens, Mandalorian might be literally catered to my taste, like looked at my search history and figured out what I want in a Star Wars show, yeah, it might have happened, <laughs> but at the same time, you know it needs to con we need PG level star Wars content. We need G level star Wars content. The free maker adventures from Lego are just as important as like, you know, uh, rebels was at the time to keeping this fandom alive and that's okay. And that's good.
1: We've said it before and we will continue to say it. More star Wars will always be a good thing. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's hard to say now, uh, with hindsight, but I remember so many days, so many moments thinking, wow, it is so disappointing that there will never be another Star Wars again after but, episode three. But
0: again, d- don't throw rocks at the nice and people from Lucasfilm unless they come into your house and then go start going to over to your slave one and scarring out the slave one wa- one and putting bounty hunter ship. Yeah. Just think about Just what it's going to do down. for all your mint in box products. <laughs> so come hilarious on. thing. My brother, who's like very is to always be the voice piece of, like, um people who don't like Episode eight. Like, my brother has almost yeah. sworn off Star Wars, has barely touched The Mandalorian, but was like, that's pretty cool. Like, he he told me, like, did you hear about that stuff? I'm like, wow, you heard about that stuff? I'm like, this story must be way bigger, because every time I see I a thing... I play my GN for here's, all of this. Here's my thing. Every time I see something like, oh, it's trending on Twitter, I'm like, I remember that Twitter is like a little tiny well in the vastness of the internet because we as Twitter users always assume everyone uses Twitter. And if you have followed our social media accounts, you know, most people don't use Twitter, (laughs) but um, he's like, do you, do you have it? I'm like, yeah, actually I have a, I have the 20th anniversary slave one and I keep not getting around to to it. I bought it on May the 4th last year. And I'm like, I keep forgetting to build. He's like, you should keep it in box. It's going to be worth a lot more. It's got slave one on the side. I'm like, I mean, it's Legos. It's going to hold its value anyway. And also, I didn't buy it to not build it. Jeez. But, like, there is a part of me going, like, yeah, you know what? You're just complaining about, like, Star Wars benefiting from the marketing. Scalpers are now benefiting from the marketing <laughs> as well. <laughs> they're like, true, yeah, we're showing yeah. you the original, the genuine article where you can say banned words like slave. Oh, God. You know? and uh, boy. So I'm just like. What a non-story. So, again every time I get mad at like Lucasfilm licensing for doing a weird trip up like this or do, or lending something under the tent, like Yazen Vong. And then I go, how did, how did you approve that? <laughs> right? Like that's, that doesn't oh, seem very Star Wars Vong. to me. Talk like, about
1: my most desired black series.
0: But like when I see stuff like that, I just kind of go like, you know what? It It's, it's fine. I'm not into it. But what, what I think makes me even more mad is when someone profits off of, of selling a, on the controversy, whether that's, them doing like uh you know like say five months from now releasing that same exact lego star wars set as a new edition of like like the slave one edition which thankfully lego doesn't do that kind of limited edition so if hasbro hasbro would already have a (laughs) pre-order on pulse of like yeah we'll sell you the one with the box all we did is change the name to slave one and you can you can pay us 30 dollars more for it we will sell that to you um, and then we have the Chrome first edition. Oh. oh, and this one has a white box with a black text. The normal release will be a black box with a white text, or it'll be the inversion of that. Or a couple years from now, we'll invert it anyway. Cause just, we have found every way to sell this thing in, in a different box we can think of. And I hate that stuff, right? We've talked about my general dis- disdain for Hasbro to be honest not being better than what the marketplace is asking them to be, you know, basically looking at what scalpers do and going, I guess that's our business model too. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but I will always be more mad at scalpers because I'm like, in theory, you are fans going through, you are the ones making it. So it's impossible to pre-order something (laughs) because you're ordering it all. So you can fulfill your second market pre-orders. Yeah. (laughs) So, I'm just saying, if I'm, a, so, yeah. if I'm going on eBay and I say, see, like, with original Slave 1 packaging, I, I'm just going to look with you complete disdain. <laughs> so, moral of the story, Mac will eventually build his Slave
1: 1 Lego set.
0: I will probably. Probably. Soon, sooner than, maybe later, maybe not I just maybe later, all maybe of my sooner. Legos
1: down off their display in my office because I'm out of room and they're going to get packed up. It's yeah. very sad. I also have a new kitten running wild in my Star Wars office, so, you know, yeah, I said small this,
0: things. I said this to me, like, yeah, right now it's in the Star Wars ro- room, and I'm like, yeah, raised in a Star Wars room. I can relate. Yeah, we all can. I mean, for, slap a PlayStation 1 in the corner with
1: Crash yeah. Bandicoot, and it's oh basically nine-year-old you, me.
0: What you need to do, with your, your, your kitten is so freaking small, you should just go get Lilic like, Pillow and see if he'll sleep in the Black Series TIE Fighter. He could fit. I know he could know he fit, fit
1: in the Black Series TIE Fighter. Hell, without closing the cockpit, it might fit in the
0: uh, Snowspeeder. Jesus. Oh, my goodness. It's small. Think of all the Instagram pictures. It's very, you
1: know what it could definitely fit on? What's that? The Black Series uh, Enfis Nest speeder bike. Oh, absolutely. I could definitely get it to sit on that.
0: I mean, it's a cat, so it'd be hard to pose it there, but like, yeah, I would want that picture. Yeah, that's true. It is very... Well, you've got... Well, almost. the
1: possibilities are endless, though, with the TIE Fighter.
0: Yeah, like I you said, you've got homework. I expect all right, all right. results. I'll see what it. I can do by the I'll next see what time I we talk. Do. It's
1: very hard to photograph a black cat. That's true. I've been uh, living the sweet life with white and orange cats. I had no idea
0: they're easier to pick out. Yeah, first they stand out. Yeah, for sure. It's just claws and yellow eyes somewhere in a fuzz yeah. of black. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing that by the next time we talk. Yeah,
1: we'll see. I'll try my best. I've been been tr- having trouble getting it to uh, sit still for more than half a second. So we'll see.
0: But until we reconvene, I'm Mac. (laughs) And I'm Ross. And until next Wednesday.
1: May the force be with you.
0: This production is not endorsed by any other property and is the sole responsibility of Mac Purvis III, Ross Greco, and those involved in its production. It is meant for entertainment purposes only. Other than content provided by this production's providers, all music, music clips, sound bites, rights are reserved, and their respective owners have not endorsed any aspect of this show. Copyright 2021.